You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, within and without. Welcome. Okay, East, thanks for taking the time to have this chat today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure a lot of people in this community are going to appreciate it as well. Many, I'm sure, already listen to a lot of your music, but uh, for those that aren't familiar, do you mind just kind of introducing yourself and what it is you, you do on a daily basis? Well, yeah, I have this this project called East Forest I've been doing for about 10, 12 years, something like that. And it all centers around, I'd say, providing avenues into the heart, into the inner landscape. And the, the backbone of that is definitely music and musical experiences, but it also fans out into my own podcast, the 10 Laws podcast, retreats, live events, uh, writing, speaking, that sort of thing. So I try, I try to give people different ways in. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's a lot of music, which is something I've always been in love with, and that's been part of the process all along. And it centers a lot around ceremony and meditation, just all, all the different ways we can sort of dive in and hopefully reveal what's already there. Very nice. And where did you come up with the name East Forest? Well, that's really simple. That's just, it's just my last name, Oswald. And if you take that from German, Os Vault, it's it's East Forest. My my former partner was fluent in German, and she told me that. But you know, funny thing is, when I went to Germany and I was performing once, and I think I said something like that from the stage, and I'm not sure if it was just like the German blank face or if it was they they essentially were saying, well, it's not quite accurate. It's not exactly just East Forest. Maybe it's sort of like the eastern side of a forest or something like that. But they could never quite explain it to me. So. I run with it. I say it's just a German translation of my last name. Okay, very cool. Um, so you mentioned you have a podcast now. Wh- when did you start that podcast? About two and a half years ago, I think. It's a weekly podcast. It's mostly interviews, conversations like this, but also some guided meditations, sometimes just music, released, unreleased music or live stuff. Mm. And what, what are the typical guests that you have on there? Oh, People who are dreamers, creatives, uh, for better or worse, the word thought leader, scientists. Uh, so it's been like Charles Eisenstein to Justin Wren to Julie Holland, the doctor, to Bio Akumalafe, to uh, Sarah Newfeld of Arcade Fire, to, you know, so it's sort of, you know, I dive into a lot about like plant medicine, meditation, wellness, um, consciousness, uh, all sorts of things, really, whatever. Mm. And were you inspired to do that just because it's kind of in line with, with the music you create and, and the community there? Or what, what really kind of kindled your interest in starting a podcast? Well, I had a podcast a long time ago in 2010, and I made it to about 64 episodes. And that one was strictly music. It was called Sound Healing Bites. And I think I just wanted to try and pick up the mantle again. And the main impetus was I, I it's sort of a great way for me to learn and to meet people and and to listen and it's it's sort of as i spoke to another like a different some some people that's more their doorway in than perhaps the other things i'm offering and i'm just trying to in an idea of an active service for myself to sort of uh, meet different people where they're at so it's it sort of like another doorway i could open up for folks Hmm, really cool. And, and I know you've been on some other podcasts as well, like uh, Aubrey's and um, I think Psychedelics Today. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, a bunch. Aubrey, okay. Yeah, Aubrey Marcus and 
uh, I think Pete Holmes and I just did an episode. I think it should be out. I don't know when this comes out, but in April of 2021. So I, I enjoy conversation, and I really enjoy, like, if you think about it, even when I've had podcasts with people I know or friends of mine, uh, I feel like we're connecting in a, in a deeper and different way because it's sort of rare these days to just, like, listen for an hour or so to someone and, and you know and be in that role of like well I'm, I'm putting you on the seat and I'm going to ask you know kind of dive in and really investigate what's going on with you and that's not something we do very often in conversation let alone with people we know you know you might check in here and there but you don't like take that time to really um, give them a platform to to have time you know that spaciousness it really comes down to like uh, giving that attention to someone in that conversation. It seems to be like this uh, really unique interaction. And then, and then people can actually join in on that and feel like they're in on that conversation, like in the room. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting medium for, for that level of communication. I've experienced the same thing myself, just talking to, to people such as yourself. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you, you get into a lot of like ceremonial stuff um, during these podcast conversations and that's sort of, I, I assume it's part of your interests, uh, especially as you do the retreats and whatnot. Um, so what is your experience with, with ceremonies and uh, is it kind of, kind of tying into shamanism in a way? Yeah. And the word ceremony is a very broad word that can mean yeah. a lot of things to different people. Um, I mean, for myself, my whole, my whole project started in the shamanic space uh, with psilocybin mushroom ceremonies. And that's what I started writing music for and that was a total initial impetus for this whole project. And so it really transformed from there uh, into something that had spoke more language of being able to perform it, for instance, live at all. And um, releasing like albums, you know, and being inside that traditional system of releasing music. But I've always uh, wanted to keep that sort of my roots uh, in, in that shamanic space, which to me, again, is how we can use music as an experience and a tool that it just it really touches those parts of yourself that other things can as well but music does it so effectively and for myself like the, the act of making it the creative act and also the act of of receiving it i've been on the other side of many forms of music that have been extremely powerful for me and so i that was my main interest is like how can i do more of that how can i create more music that we can uh, really use as a tool to dive inside Nice. And what was your experience with, with psilocybin mushrooms when you tried them for the first time? Well, the very first time I tried them was in college and nothing happened. I think I either didn't have enough or something. And so the next time my friend and I tried them, I remember I, I remember I had like an eighth, which is about a little under three and a half grams. And I remember taking all of it. And I was outside at this little festival that my college put on in upstate New York. And I remember like hanging out with my friends and not having any experience with psychedelics or any guidance. And it was starting to come on and I was getting very like giggly and sort of feeling everything's very heightened, of course. But at some point, I decided to kind of go down the hill and just over the hill were these cherry trees. It was around, it was in May. So I'm looking outside, I can see some cherry blossoms. And because I remember sitting under a tree like this one outside my window now. And the cherry blossoms were like falling down. And as I lay down, I was by myself. That's when things really started to, you know, real ego breakdown and, and time breakdown. I mean, real my first like full psychedelic journey. And thank God it was positive. 
uh, it was like not a bad experience. It was a very, very, very profoundly important experience. And ever since then, I think I was really chasing something about that experience, like a core space that I got in touch with that I maybe knew in my heart was there, but I had I had no like memory of it in my mind. And now it's like, well, I went there. I remember that. And that felt super important, almost like more real than real. But I also didn't understand anything about it or what it was or how to replicate it or anything. So basically, probably for at least 10 more years, I stumbled a lot through different experiences, some of them good, some of them pretty traumatic on psychedelics in an effort to find the edges, I guess, and 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 just try to understand and learn. But it was in my late 20s where I think I started to get some more structure around it through meditation and traditional shamanic ceremonies like ayahuasca or uh, San Pedro or Lakota sweat lodges. And I, then I started to have more of like a lineage to back it up and to learn from and more books and conferences and friends. It was just you know, sort of this whole awakening in my own life. And that's when, around that time, in my late 20s or so, is when I started making the East Forest music, not knowing what it was, but I was making the music to be like, you know, I feel like I could create a kind of music for myself to use to guide me in those directions that I had originally felt under those cherry blossoms, even though there wasn't any music at that time. But later, I had I'd had some very seminal experiences um, on on music with music. So, yeah, when you say that, it really brings to mind like it makes me question how relative time is because like you you tried them way back then when you were younger, but it seemed to like culminate later in life. But you were creating music that would have been really applicable and probably practical to to you at that time. So I guess by by you creating this music now, you're you're probably really hitting home for a lot of people that are just getting into the psychedelics that are just starting to use these things. Is, is that what you notice in your audience that they're really sort of appreciative of, of that guiding force that is the music that you create uh, to, to aid them in these psychedelic experiences or meditations? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I was ready clearly at that time when I was in my young twenties to make this music I'm making today. And I certainly tried making music and I didn't have the skill set or the experience to, to find my own voice with it at that time. But that was part of my process. And, you know, now, my the early records I released, I, I didn't explicitly say, you know, this is really good for uh, working with mushrooms or anything. I, I think I was much more, like, diffuse about it and cagey. There are, some, there are definitely references, and I definitely got messages from people saying like it was working really well for them for that, but they sort of discovered that on their own, as people do with all kinds of music. But a few years back, I released an album called Music for Mushrooms, a soundtrack for the psychedelic practitioner that was five hours. It was from me playing live and improvising inside a psilocybin ceremony, and I was very explicitly saying, okay, this is what it's for. I don't want to dance around the bush. I want to just explain it to you and become more of an advocate of to talking about music and, and ceremony and the process. Um, and so since then, it's been clearly a lot more because I think there's this, this clear invitation in the title where it's, oh, that's what it's for. Um, and many people have have taken the leap of faith and and 
trusted the music to guide them through that process. And I know for myself, it's been a very powerful experience. And I've heard from others that uh, it has been as well. And I think there are people out there who are part of the community and they enjoy East Forest music. And then one day they might take a journey to the music that's for that, like the ceremony music, let's call it that. And then I hear from them and they're like, I had no, I didn't know. And now I know what it's really about. Like it sort of unlocks, it's like the hidden keys inside the music when, when you have that experience. And before that, it's still a fine way to interact with it. There, I'm no judgment on what you, how you choose to uh, enjoy the music. But uh, it had a particular purpose and design. And it's a, it, can, it can be a really special experience if you set aside the time and the space to really experience that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I feel the same way. I don't often use music in conjunction with um, psilocybin mushrooms, but I do take psilocybin mushrooms pretty regularly. Um, pretty much every weekend, I do a float tank sensory deprivation wow. with them. Uh, so I'll usually do anywhere between like two to six grams, uh, and then I go into the tank for an hour. So uh, <laughs> usually feel like I'm floating through space for the most part. It's really interesting. There is the option to use music in the tank, but I just find it to be kind of counterintuitive to the purpose of the tank. So I mostly just kind of go in the darkness with no, with no sound. Um, but I have, I have listened to your music quite a bit, um, you know, even just on weed and things like that. And I could definitely see how it would be, you know, it would draw that audience and it would, it would call those people to it, especially those interested in meditation. Um, yeah. So what type of meditation routine do you, do you practice? Uh, is it something on a daily basis, weekly or? I think meditation, for me, I do some formal sitting, usually in, sh in relatively shorter time frames. That's a breathing practice. I do some yoga from time to time as my partner is a yogi and a, and a teacher and educator. Um, but my, my main yoga, my main meditation is creativity and music. And when I'm playing music, it's a, I think we can think of meditation in broader terms and how you can bring it into, even in micro ways, into all aspects of your life. It, to me, it's a kind of um, freedom and an enjoyment and there's a sensuousness to it. Uh, there's a, I, I kind of look at it more like at the flow states being forms of meditation. So, uh, in that sense, I'm not as formal about it, but I'm very aware of sort of how I'm, how I'm working with my mind and my body and my heart in different ways and different experiences. Mm -hmm. That's almost like, uh, having a certain mindfulness or an awareness as you go about the world and just carrying that with you. And, uh, I could definitely yep. see it come out when, when you're, when you're practicing music and things that bring you to that flow state. For sure. Uh, so speaking of your music in particular, and I noticed you have a photo of, of Ram Dass behind you, what was it like working on that album? Cause that was pretty recent too, right? Um, it feels recent and it was a few years back at this mm. point, but yeah, it's, it's very alive and it's something that's very much alive in my life, but also like still expanding and reaching new ears all the time and incredible experience. I, he was a teacher of mine from afar, but I, I had would always have wanted to meet him, let alone collaborate with him was an incredible honor and very humbling. And it's something that's still unfolding in my life. And so um, I'm very proud of that record. Uh, that's the the vinyl. We have a, a second pressing of the vinyl going, and that's a fun experience because all the all of his words are inside there if you fold it open. And he really spoke to 
basically the conundrums and issues that we're facing today. And it was him speaking at the end of his life. And I just found that really beautiful. It's sort of what he was choosing to address. And he knew it was sort of probably going to be translating to a lot of new and younger ears. And I just think he knocked it out of the park. And so, yeah, that's a beautiful album. If you haven't heard the Ram Dass album, it's called Ram Dass, and you can find it wherever you listen to music. I think beautiful is, is the right word for it because it's like so few words, as you said, it's towards the end of his life. So he wasn't really doing as much speaking as, you know, in the prior years. Yeah. Uh, but in such few words, it's just so impactful, so powerful. Uh, I often use it on uh, Instagram stories because you, you come up there, um, you know, when you select the music and whatnot, and people yeah. like absolutely love it, especially when you combine it with like, um, like visual stuff, like geometric patterns. Um, trippy artwork stuff like that it really brings you into this trance-like state between the music and his speaking and then the visual it's uh, it's really amazing it actually reminds me of uh, something that uh, dr joe dispenza talks about in uh, becoming supernatural if you're familiar with that book he uses these kaleidoscopic visuals to bring people into this uh otherworldly meditative state so it's it, it's really helpful with, with regards to that um was, it was just you on that album i think you, you worked with some or you collaborated with some other artists is that right uh, yeah, there's some featured artists on there, and then of course some studio musicians that we hired, some string players and so forth, and and, and flute, all sorts of things. Uh, so I was the producer and the writer and the mixer, engineer, all that stuff, and I performed on it, of course, as well. Uh, but a lot of wonderful artists involved. And you did meet Ramdas, right? I think I was seeing that on your your Instagram page. You. you yeah yeah as i was saying i, I went out there and oh, so okay. I, I recorded him uh we basically for i was there for about a week and wow, we had a few okay. different recording sessions and then i took those recordings back and then essentially wrote music to it and how long did it take to actually produce the, the whole thing start to finish you know we were there in in june of i think it was 2019 or 18 i'm bad with dates and i remember we had some stuff released in november and it's it just released, you know, over many months. We kind of like did it in, in chapters. But, and then we did a reworks album after that. That's incredible. And then there's an instrumentals version as well. And that then is, is that available from the same places, the instrumental version? Yeah, I mean, if you want the vinyl, that's at eastforest.org. But the music itself is uh, also on my website, but it's wherever you listen to music. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. All right, yeah. I'll put the, the links to that as well in the episode description here so anyone listening or watching can just quickly scroll down and check all that out. Um, so I want to dial back a bit to the psychedelic experiences stuff. Now, you mentioned that you have done ayahuasca, and I've actually spoken with some people that are really heavily involved in that. Um, what what were your experiences with that particular plant medicine? Well, my, ex my experiences were in the Peruvian tradition with uh, shamans from Peru, uh, both in Peru and in the States. And my initial experiences were extremely powerful, extremely powerful. And it's such a, you know, you do a dieta typically before and afterwards, which is a kind of preparation through a diet of not just what you eat, but what you consume on all levels. And that alone is profound. Uh, and so it becomes a much more holistic experience because it's bleeding into your life before and after in that way and such big changes. And then the experience itself is typically very physical. 
and intense and you put it all together and it's it's quite powerful so the very first journey I had I remember afterwards uh, I went outside and it was a cold I think it was a November night upstate New York and I just had a really really powerful experience and I recorded on a little field recorder some notes to myself just because I wanted to rem- remember certain things and I'm still in that afterglow and those notes became the song I released called Grandmother's Fear which wasn't until 2012 but I had that recording and I always felt like it was too vulnerable or I don't know I thought maybe people might find it too precious or something of someone like essentially like speaking after a trip but something told me that it's like no I feel like there's some universal truths in here and I'm just gonna share it I'm gonna go for it it's one of the last sort of an afterthought after I'd finished this album called Love Bomb in 2012 I was just like you know I think it needs one more song and and I just made some music to it quickly and put on that sample and that became one of my most popular tracks and I think it's because there's something very vulnerable about what's said and universal and that, and that was from ayahuasca you know and I, so i called the song grandmother's fear because it's a sort of this play on the the idea of it being called the grandmother medicine traditionally and when you when you create music there is a certain level of, of vulnerability where you're kind of putting yourself out there do you find that that's something that when you lean into it it tends to be it ends up being a success in that case like it's one of your most popular albums it's like when the fear is present or, or you know the hesitance is there once you actually lean into it and go for it you kind of have this breakthrough moment where it's like wow you know and it's almost shocking but at the same time it's not because you know it was so so close and so precious to you do you find that happens a lot when you're creating music i think in general like the more vulnerable and authentic you are and you're really creating from a place of what excites you like truthfully like what is really kind of what lights up your own bliss and excitement that's the lodestar to use whereas anytime you're trying to just think well this is what i think people want or i shouldn't do that because of other people's ideas that's a form of pandering that frankly is usually not very interesting art so i can't say it can be guaranteed to be a quote-unquote success that seems to have a little bit of juju around that that's not fully in anyone's control but I can say if it's art that you can be proud of and that maybe will stand the test of time, uh, that that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like a philosophical sort of thought process. And I'm thinking you're kind of being your authentic self when you're, when you're creating from that place. And, and that's where I think that success really comes from. And I think a lot of people are kind of hesitant to really to open themselves up and, and really offer themselves to, to people in that way. And especially with music or even just conversation kind of as you were saying at the beginning, like when you sit down with someone, you normally just, when you're shooting the shit, it's not like you have deep, you know, thought provoking conversations. They're usually pretty, you know, surface level. Uh, do you find that like being in the spiritual community, you tend to meet a lot more people that are open and, and more willing to, to kind of be that way, like more, more open in general? Yes. And I also believe that it's a core human trait that we share like everyone wants to connect really deep down. It's just what's the way that they feel safe doing that in that moment in time. Everyone wants to feel welcomed and appreciated and heard and held. Uh, but we do it in many different ways. And so I, I often feel for myself like very much like a chameleon when I meet people because I try to put on the clothing and the energy that I think they need. 
and I think I could do some work around just being myself. <laughs> and I, I guess I shouldn't throw myself under the bus. I think I'm doing a bit of both, but I definitely try to like, and I don't want to like uh, throw out my own ethics or morals, certainly, be, just to be like, well, this, you know, this person is not comfortable with X, Y, Z, so I think I need to like speak their language. So I think, well, not if that's not my own truth. Um, so, but I like to just come from an attitude that, you know, deep down, we're all the same. And so it's just like you give the person, you know, can I give them a little bit more than perhaps what they're giving me? And, and then maybe, maybe that gives them a kind of invitation. I found that, um, and you obviously met Ram Dass, you're familiar with him, but I found Ram Dass was really great at, at just looking at you and being completely, totally open, yeah. like just sitting there, not saying a word, not doing anything. And if he smiled, like, oh my God, it was like the sun coming out of the clouds. Um, I had a Skype call with him like a couple of years back right before he passed. And um, it was just that, like we barely spoke much uh, back and forth, but just sitting there for like, you know, an hour or whatever it was and, and just being present. It was just so palpable, like the, the yes. energy that was coming off of him. Um, like I, I introduced him to my dogs, like I had like my phone and I showed him on the camera and he, he was just, he lit up like crazy. It was just like this, this wonderful experience. And um, I guess it, it really is like, he's, he's a great testament to the potential of humans to, to be totally open and totally loving and compassionate with each other. Because I find like, especially in this time now, when there's so much division and separation, it's like, we need to go back to that. And then that's why I actually even brought up your album with Ram Dass, because even though it would have been a couple of years ago, it does seem so fresh. And, and it's, it's so, even when I share it now to stories, like people love it so much because it, it pulls them into that space. Uh, what are your thoughts on everything that's going on right now? And, and sort of, you know, the lockdown, the rolling lockdowns and, COVID and, and the division that's happening with between people. What do you, what do you think? Um, what, just what are your thoughts on the general situation of things? Well, you, you're totally correct that Ram Dass, the gift of his presence, that loving awareness in such a pure form was, I mean, my God, that was like, that was what I experienced in the very first moment when that door shut and we were together. I was just like, wow, he so fully giving his witnessing of you and, and the moment that uh, that is something any of us can do. And you can certainly cultivate that skill, but it was, it was just like that being the most powerful thing, not like the words he was about to say um, or anything like that. It was just like that moment of just being there together and really being there. And then not in a weird way. It was just like, just love. It was just like, I don't even know you. I'm just giving you full love. Just unconditional love because you're just a soul right there. And it's, I'm sort of looking at the, at the oneness of it all. Uh, but your second question, which is a very different question about everything going on. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it's a transition. And that transition that's happening, happening you could look at that too as a, a growth modality, like a very big modal point we're going through. And there will probably be uh, equal parts destruction and burning of the fields and maybe equal, if not just a little more than equal, uh, of revelation and growth and positive change. Um, so if there's any like silver lining, I would say that, you know, for as wild as it feels, it's also that is the mechanism of the change itself. And you can put your 
trust in that like sort of like burning a field to be fertilized or clearing away what do we want to clear away for something new to emerge we have to make space and you know often the way we make change as people as individuals and collectively unfortunately i'm just saying unfortunately because it involves more suffering is through pretty dramatic pressure whether it's near-death experiences bankruptcies divorces these sorts of things and we're going through all of those <laughs> collectively and many of us individually have faced our own trials and tribulations that are quite unique to us in the last few years and each in our own way and at different scales and i recognize it's very different for different people but within that i think it also shows that there's unique doorways for each of us that only you can really know in your heart you know, which ones are right for you and and there's an invitation again there and it's up to you what you do with that invitation it would be it'd be pretty sad if it's uh it's missed after everything we've gone through this year and how much we've burned it's like uh it's uh, i think it's more important than ever to take to learn the skill to listen and to cultivate the ability and the courage and the bravery to step forward in the way that you really know on some level you know what's right for you and where that growth is and you see the other doorway that is to do the same or to perhaps repeat something and i'm not saying that's wrong but i have a feeling that's going to be pretty hard as you continue to try to do it, it just become harder and more suffering so it's sort of like in an ayahuasca experience for for anyone who's been there where you need to purge and it's very uncomfortable and it's a kind of rele release that's wanting to happen that you don't want to do what a party does. And when you finally give in, the revelation happens. And then the next thing opens up and it's like, oh man, okay. So I think that's happening now. This is like a giant purge. It's like a giant ceremony that we're going through and we're still very much in it. I, I like hearing that stuff because I talk to a lot of people that are relatively pessimistic about the whole process. Like I just spoke with an economist and of course he's going to be like kind of pessimistic about the whole thing because he wasn't really seeing it from like a, a spiritual sort of consciousness evolution type of perspective. He was just seeing it from the, the sheer numbers and the economics of it and being like, this is crazy. We're just destroying the economy and stuff. But uh, I was coming from the other perspective on it and trying to cheer him up and, and enlighten him up, so to speak, because uh, I do see this as like this, this, uh, I love the way you described it through pressure, but it's like a, a through this pressure, we have this evolution. That's, it's like people can either go back to sleep, back to the way they were doing things and, and sort of this ignorance, this blissful ignorance, I guess, for some, um, or they can start to embrace this new change that's happening either within them, within the, their community uh, or, or within the, the, you know, the, the world as a whole. So uh, yeah. I'm more on the positive end of things and I try to you know preach all that because uh, you know, there's so much of the negative stuff going around. When it comes to your, your schedule and your travel, I know that's obviously been impacted by it and your live performances. Do you find you've had to adapt now to more like digital stuff uh, during this time? Well, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tour, I couldn't travel. And uh, it, that's slowly starting to open up. So I did a series of virtual ceremonies actually, which is not something I ever would have done. I never would have considered uh, trying to translate that into like YouTube live, <laughs> but you know, it turned out there were these new gifts inside the bitter medicine of the pressures 
that were limiting what I, I couldn't do one thing, but now I, I'm doing something else. And now that opens it up to all these people around the globe who are getting to have that kind of experience, uh, albeit different than in the live space, but it's more accessible. And I recorded those live ceremonies that I did right here in my studio. And you know that's going to become essentially a volume two to the Music for Mushrooms album uh, later this year. So that was unexpected. Uh, I, I definitely miss being able to have that energetic exchange with people in the real space. But I, I just played a show for the first time in Costa Rica for a benefit for Fight for the Forgotten, which is Justin Wren's organization. And uh, I've got, I'm going to Esalen Institute in, a, in about a week to do their Entheo Wheel gathering and uh, participate in that. And I am working on planning tour dates for the fall that you can already buy or pledge. It's sort of, it's, it's called pledging. So it's not really a financial commitment. You're just like, oh, I'd like to go to that show. And it helps us know like, all right, let's put that one on in that market. So it's coming back. It's coming back, but it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of wonky and kind of slow, and like I said, I think we're very much still in this liminal space of whatever it is we're bridging to. Are you getting this like newfound appreciation for when you are in person with people? Is it like this revitalized version of what it once was? I mean, it's almost like you now that you're there, it's, it almost feels unreal. I'd imagine if I was in your shoes and all of a sudden there's people in a crowd and you're like, wow, okay, so this is how it was, but this is like the normal way it should be. But it's like people kept pitching that new norm thing, which became the digital mm -hmm. stuff. So um, I, I just, do you find that it's like this, this rejuvenated presence of being once you're in that crowd with, with those people and in that space? I mean, scientifically speaking, you're exchanging these biophotons with them just from being within the room and I don't think you get that from looking at screens. It's like obviously completely different. What's a biophoton? I've never heard it's, of that. Yeah, it's like um, it's kind of like the uh, energetic exchange between between people once you're actually with them and present with them. So um, I think it has a lot to do with the actual eyes and bifocals, but uh, I'm not too familiar with it. I just know that sounds like a superpower. A yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, aside from aside consent. from the fact that. I don't, I don't want to get into the social distancing thing, but aside from the fact that people's immune health tends to diminish when you're not in social gatherings and not with other people. Um, but there's that aspect as well uh, from a health stance. But I'm just wondering if you, if you notice any like energetic difference in the room once you're, once you're with people that maybe you weren't so tuned into before, but really it's popping now once, once you're there and, and playing for them. Well, it's only been once. Um, it was quite oh, magical. Really? It was, well, this last time in Costa Rica. You know, it's the last time since. Really? So it's been one live performance in like, what's that, like a year and a half? One with people. Well, I guess there's one other in Boise, also outdoors, back in March. So I guess two. And the rest were all, everything else is virtual. And the oh, last oh. tour I did before that was in, in Australia. And that was last February. So uh, a little over a year ago. And right when I got back is when I got back at the end of February, beginning of March. And as you know, things locked down within like a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I thought I thought you might have done at least like a couple since then, but um, you're not allowed. To. It couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was literally funny. nowhere to do it. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's 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 always special. There's a conversation that happens uh, with an audience. They give and you give, and it's and that's what makes it so special to see a moment in time like that. And um, but you know, one thing that I don't want to just get back to necessarily is sort of 
running around and, and bouncing around, um, it, it's much more mindful for me now. It feels much more like a journey. Like rehearsing and, and getting the gear together and taking the plane and all the gear and then landing and, and things and all the travel and then you to find the place to stay and then the car and you drive and the gig and the sound check. And it's a lot. So I don't take it right now as lightly, mostly because it's it doesn't feel as like, oh yeah, we just do this all the time, whatever. It's like, no, this should be a special occasion in a sense. It should be a journey. This is not as thoughtless. It's like beyond the carbon footprint. It's like, it, this is a, it's a big deal, you know, to hop around like that. So I, I don't want to lose that. That's want, really nice that you maintain that because I know a lot of musicians, once they get into that mode of like traveling around, it just becomes like one stop, next stop. Well, I stop. was in that mode. And uh, um, so I never would have gotten off that hamster wheel probably. And so... I want to maintain that mindfulness because um, I don't want to just be bouncing around for the sake of bouncing around. So if anything, it's it's made my own internal litmus test or requirements to, to leave higher just because I know about my own health and both physical and mental. It's like, well, it really takes a lot out of you. And I don't want to be hustling just for the sake of like, well, there's an opportunity here, there's an opportunity there. It's got to really feel like it's in alignment uh, on all levels. That's cool. That that in itself is almost like an evolution for you, you know, personally and, and how you interact and, and with people and what you're doing. It's like when you come to those events now, you're coming from like it's like you shed that old skin of how you were being and you've come as this new this new person with this new perspective. And I'm sure your music is, is affected by it as well. It's almost like the quality of your music would be would be affected by it too. It would would you agree? I guess we'll find out. Like I said, yeah, one, I one time. I hope as, so. you, as you do more and more shows, all of a sudden, yeah. I watch the crowds just get bigger and bigger too. Um, I think people are appreciating more that when, when artists actually show up in person now for the exact reason that you just described because they know all that's involved, especially with all these checkpoints and these like, you know, they're talking about doing like COVID passport things and all this other crap in some countries. So they'll probably really appreciate when you actually make that effort and show up for them. So, um, yeah, that's really Yeah, cool. I mean, everywhere is different and everywhere has their different sort of protocols and so forth. Um, so for myself, sort of navigating that space is, is new and interesting too because, you know, when you're traveling around, uh, you're putting yourself through more exposure all around the world. I already was. I mean, I was already someone who, before COVID, you know, was mindful of uh, planes and, and, you know, it's, it's hard as a performer who sings. Like, you get a cold, it's... It, it screws up the performance if not drastically so it can be a lot of stress where you um i was already like so now when they hand you a a, a wipe to wipe your seat down to the airplane i was like should have been doing this the whole time this is great everyone like they don't clean planes like clean them like once a month and i'm like this is great everyone just wipes we do the job for you we're just going to clean like whatever snotty kid was here before me and um i like that you know so i appreciate that we're a little more mindful about how disgusting some of these uh, things are. Yeah, yeah, oh, very cool. Um, well, did you have any closing thoughts for anyone listening, watching right now about um, anything that you would recommend they do if they feel, I mean, other than listen to some of your music and especially list, I'll recommend listen to that Ram Dass album that you created. That was really cool. Uh, but do you have any recommendations for them going forward to maybe uh, kind of lift them up if they're feeling down? Uh, a lot of people are kind of depressed, anxious, have anxiety right now with the way things are. Uh, and it, it's great that you're more on the positive end of things from my understanding. But um, any closing thoughts for those people? Well, I, I suffer from anxiety and depression in my life. So it's something I work with. And um, 
I created some guided meditations that I released. They're on my website, my podcast, and they're also on the music service providers. And one of them is called Meditation for Chaotic Times. And there's another little album of three meditations called Still. And they have music and they're they're guided and they're extremely accessible. And it's something I kind of forget about, but it's something that I think they're they're really potent and modern and, and easy. And so I think I just kind of like push them in that direction. You know, if they want to go deeper, I uh, my, my everything I'm doing is sort of in this direction. Whether it's I have new music I'm releasing on an album called Possible. Uh, I, I do remixes. I have a, a Patreon that's just Patreon.com/slash/EastForest. That's kind of like to go even deeper in a more direct way with people. Where we have a monthly council that we do that people can choose to be a part of among other things. And so, like I said, there's different doorways. You just have to find the one, like, what do you, what's your way? Do you like music? Are you more into like the meditations? Are you more into like uh, some talking, you know? Uh, and so what's the council? What do you, what do you do during that? Uh, is it once a month type of thing? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the opportunities for, uh, it's not just about me. It's so people can meet each other and it's sort of witnessing one another, discussing what's going on in our lives. I reflect on it. They reflect on it. And then I usually do, some kind of embodied experience of live music and guiding them through based on what we're, what's come up and what we're talking about. Okay, very cool. Um, yeah. So I don't really uh, have any other questions for you at the moment, other than uh, what is your website and stuff that people can reach out. I know I'll, uh, you mentioned your, your Patreon. I'll put again, all the links and everything in the description below, but if anyone wants to get a hold of you or shoot you with some DM hearts or anything like that, where should they do so? Well, eastforest.org, not .com. If you go to eastforest.com, it's like, it's, I think it's a Chinese language site, and they sell uh, various uh, tinctures and things. Eastforest.org, it'll take you to my site. And that'll, that'll send you wherever you want to go, um, including social media. It's eastforest on Instagram or eastforest music on Facebook, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, eastforest music on YouTube. It, it's pretty easy to find. And there's... And the podcast is called 10 Laws with East Forest, and that's also wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's a weekly podcast, and I've been maintaining that somehow. I'm not quite sure how for two and a half years, but I think we're up to about 150-odd some episodes. And that's pretty impressive, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, oh, I definitely know. Like, it's, it's tricky to maintain them sometimes, but um, yeah, that's pretty good that you've been keeping at it. And people love that when you're consistent and releasing on a regular basis, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my half Germanness just keeps things pretty organized on that level. But um, I, I, I just will keep doing it as long as I enjoy it, and I do still enjoy like on the most basic level, like having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Not wild about like editing it and all that stuff and putting it up, but I do like what it is like, and I like it as a mechanism of, like I said, listening and, and meeting people. Right. Yeah. I, I'm similar in, in the sense of not really enjoying the editing process and all the post-production, but uh, definitely the conversations yeah. are great. It's like once you find people that can assist with those things and you can focus on what you really enjoy out of it, um, then I think, yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, but thanks for taking this time today. I, I really do appreciate it. Maybe we can have a follow-up again soon after you've released that second uh, Mushrooms album. I'll probably be one of the first ones to download it just because I'm really into that stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks again. I, I really appreciate it. And I'll, I'll send you the links and everything once this is live. Cool. Yeah, and I'm actually before that album comes out, like I'm I'm releasing this album called Possible, like a, a track at a time with videos and stuff, and that's already underway. So uh, oh, there's cool. new music pretty much every 
week or two. Yeah, it seems like you're pretty active even on uh, like live streams too, right? Like Instagram Live, I think I saw you go. Well, yeah, I do some I do some AMAs often on Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific, and every now and then I'll just do a, a casual. Yeah, I'll do some like little lives or late like late night if I'm jamming on something. Um, mm-hmm. Instagram's probably the more active one for sure. Nice. Actually, I think uh, well, I, I first messaged you through Instagram and asked if you'd be interested in doing one of those. We should we should definitely hop on if you are still interested. Um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. Like yeah. Do, I about uh, that. It's like an open discussion at the beginning. Uh, like 15, 20 minutes, and then we get into a Q&A where people just start submitting their questions through the live because uh, yeah. Instagram has that feature. Uh, I think it's really interactive with like people in real time. It's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, when do you normally do it? Whenever. Usually weekends, um, but like any weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Let's either do it this weekend or whenever this comes out. Okay, sure. I'll shoot you a message after this, and then we'll, we'll set it all up. Sweet. All right, cool. Thanks again for having the chat and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, man.